This is Doing Daily. I'm your host, Jonathan Stark, and today I'm joined by daily emailer Chris Ferdinandy. Chris, welcome to the show. Sorry, I was blowing my nose. I thought I had more time. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me one sec, Jonathan. I'm so sorry. That's right. That would have been a great, great entry. Yeah, you can, um, you can leave that in if you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Um, I'm so sorry. Can we, can we take that from the top? Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Chris, welcome to the show. Jonathan, thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So for folks who are just hearing your name for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I help people learn vanilla JavaScript, so just platform native built into the browser JavaScript. Um, I am an educator focusing primarily on courses and books and workshops. Um, And um, I have a daily newsletter that goes out to about 14,000 developers each weekday. So the intended audience is JavaScript developers or... It's, I'm primarily focused on beginners. So it's early career developers of the web in general, designers looking to get into code. Um, so that's a big kind of audience for me that I didn't really expect. Um, a lot of folks who, they don't necessarily want to stop being designers, but they want to know how to implement their designs a little bit every now and then. And a lot of people who are looking to transition into web development. So they're not developers yet, but they're trying to become developers. Okay. And and what's your promise to the reader, either implicitly or explicitly, when you're asking for their email address? Like, give me your email address, let me into your inbox every weekday, and in exchange for that, I will what? Yeah. So the promise is that each weekday, I'm going to send you a useful tip, trick, code snippet, tool, resource, or some other interesting web development-related thing in your inbox. Um, And so it's really focused on short actionable. Sometimes they're a little bit more heady or theoretical, but I think the big thing for me is I want you to read it and immediately be able to take it and put it into practice in some way. Great. Let's jump back to the beginning. So when did you start doing this, this daily email? April, 2017. So about five years now. And why did you start it? Because you and Philip Morgan of Philip Morgan <laughs> Consulting kept telling me I should until I finally gave in and tried it. Um, I think it was like several months of um, the two of you at like kind of different intervals <laughs> telling me, you know, you really might want to consider writing daily. If I forget the problem I was trying to solve at the time, but you were both suggesting that that might be a good kind of way to unstick myself. That I was very resistant. Where did the nerves come from? Where, what was the resistance? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I think one of the things that you hear from a lot of people, um, so am I going to be able to keep this up? Are my readers going to find it to be too much? Those are really the big two things. Uh, just kind of my own inability to maintain that kind of cadence and a general feeling that no one would want to read that many emails from me. <laughs> and what happened? I mean, it's been five years. What benefits have you gotten from doing the daily list? This has literally been the single biggest uh, thing I've ever done for my business. It was, it, it is hands down like the most important aspect of my business. It was the biggest change I made. I'd call it a force multiplier. So um, it's from switching to daily, I immediately saw a dramatic increase in subscribers and sales. And I was actually digging back through my numbers before this, uh, before this call and I um, I've seen an estimated like 25x return on investment from just what I pay for email marketing software. Wow. For me, email marketing is literally my only form of marketing, aside from the occasional guest podcast appearance. And my entire motivation there is to get people on my list. So really, it's like the email is my marketing. And so I I attribute nearly 100% of my sales to 
that list. So the, the financial benefit has been huge. Also, just kind of as a, you know, as a person who writes educational stuff, the daily email is also the place where I clarify a lot of like thoughts that are bouncing around in my head and test ideas and see how readers respond before I invest in building whole products around them. I, just, I cannot understate how powerful daily email writing has been to my business. Well, I can guess the answer to the next question, but <laughs> would you ever stop doing it? So this is an interesting one. I would not ever, I can't picture myself stopping. I can see myself scaling back to maybe three days a week or um, getting a little bit more um, comfortable taking like holidays and stuff where, you know, okay, for like, you know, this, this week or two, there will be no emails. Um, that does kind of happen now. It's never intentional. Um, but to be honest, I've actually found, and you've mentioned this to me before too, that it's easier to write daily than less frequently. I did not fully appreciate that when you used to tell it to me until I started doing it myself. But like it becomes a habit and you get really, really efficient at it. And for me, the hardest times to write are after I've taken a week off. So uh, yeah, I, I actually think that the writing every day is easier than writing intermittently. Okay, yeah, cool. So let's get more specific on that. Now, do you actually write and publish every day or do you write every day and publish it on a schedule in advance or how do, what are the details? Yeah, I, I write every, um, so I'm Monday through Friday. I'm not seven days a week. Like I, I know you and some other folks are, but uh, I, I'm not like generally not batching them. The only times I do that are if I know I'm going to be away for a week or if I'm going on vacation or something like that. Um, and I don't want to be bothered like having to think about code for a week or two, I will sometimes batch them in advance. But generally speaking, I'm writing them every day, largely because it is just mechanically easier for me. It's just part of the routine. You know, whereas if I'm batching them, then, you know, at the start, oh, no, it's this big thing I got to do. I got to spend like an hour or two putting together all these emails and getting them scheduled. And it's just even like the mechanics of it are a lot harder when I'm trying to schedule them in advance versus just blast them out. Well, how long does it take you to write one if you're just doing one a day? Yeah. So anywhere from five to 35 minutes. Um, I keep them short on purpose, uh, just stream of consciousness, my thoughts. So I have a, I have a really streamlined process um, on purpose. For me, any amount of friction is too much. It's going to like stop me from, from doing it. So the general process here is open up text editor, type whatever kind of pours out of my brain. I have a list of ideas um, that I'll like cherry pick from, but I'm not like bulleting them out or planning anything. It's just kind of like, all right, I've got this idea. Let's see what flows out of my head. And then if it's good, if it's bad, I, I hit save, I push it up to my website and um, some automation kind of takes over from there. But uh, I did the big thing for me is I don't even bother proofreading, which drives some of my readers absolutely bonkers because they're yeah. really big on grammar. Um, and I've even like, I added, I think like you have a caveat about like, you know, there's guaranteed to be typos. <laughs> and I still get people who feel the need to point out like that they exist. And I'm like, That's I know, funny. I don't care. <laughs> is there a particular time of day or place that you write? Yeah. So um, first thing in the morning while sipping my coffee at my office desk, it's just, it's that for me, the, so I have ADHD. And so for me, kind of having a, like a pattern or a habit is, is the only way that stuff like this gets done consistently. So, mm -hmm. so that's mine. I just, after breakfast, I go up to the office, mug in hand and, uh, and just <laughs> before the coffee's even really 
uh, like kicked in. So sometimes the ideas are a little all over the place, but um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about your stack. So you've got, sure. you said a text editor. Does it, yep. do you, yeah. So let's go through the whole thing. So you're on your laptop. Yeah, using sure. a text editor. What else? Yeah. So for me, it's, I'm, I'm sublime text, but whatever text editor kind of would work. I used to use VS code at one point on my laptop. I am, um, I, I'm like one of those maniacs that just works off a 13 inch laptop with no like external monitor or anything. Most of my articles start off as an item on a digital to-do list. So, um, I, like, we've, I've talked before with some other folks about daily and the thing with, with writing like this is you're going to have ideas that come to you whenever, wherever. So I, um, while I love pen and paper, I often don't have them with me. So I have, I use Microsoft to do it's on every digital device I have. And anytime any little thought that could be the kernel of an article pops into my head, I have a daily list that I throw it into, which is similar to, I think what you do with, um, with, uh, your email client. Um, and, um, uh, so in the morning I will open that up. I'll scroll through the list. I will pick the one that immediately speaks to me because again, I'm just kind of like stream of consciousing these and not consciousnessing these and not planning them out. Yeah. Type it up, hit save. I, I use Hugo, which is a static site generator to build my website. So all of my articles start off as, um, or all my newsletter emails rather start off as an article on my website. And then from there and RSS to email feature built into ConvertKit, which is my email platform, takes care of the rest. Does it automatically go out from ConvertKit or do you have to do something to it? Yeah, no, I don't have to do anything. It automatically goes out. Um, I just initially had to set up an RSS to email um, automation on their website and then I never have to touch their GUI again. It just, it just does its thing. Wow. Uh, because I am a technologist and really like automating things so I don't have to put too much effort into them. I even like took it a step further and I've got this kind of uh, like the RSS feed for my email is a separate RSS feed from the regular one for my site that also includes some like calls to action in the email footer that get rotated through every week Mm -hmm. um, and are customized to what the, the subscriber has already purchased. So, you know, if they've bought a lower tier item on my ladder, they might get suggested some some higher priced items and deliberately do not get suggested things they already own. Cool. Okay. So let's talk about the content itself. You mentioned that you get ideas all the time, anytime, and you capture them with the, the to-do, you said Microsoft to-do, I think? Yes. Yeah. And, but if you're writing every day, how does that, how do you have enough? You know, does it... <laughs> Yeah, so this was my big fear too, right? So um, when when you and Philip pushed me to try this, I remember the thing that finally got me over the hurdle was I said, okay, I'm going to take 15 minutes. I'm going to try to brainstorm a month's worth of ideas. And if I can do that, I'll give it a try just for the month. After 15 minutes, I think I had like 27 or 28 ideas, which I decided would be enough to get started. Um, February. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so this is where the, well, and I also don't write, you know, it's five days a week. So, you know, it kind of works. So um, (laughs) it it was like only like a week or two in that what I've heard you call the flywheel effect started Mm -hmm. to kick in where I'd write an article, I'd get some follow-up questions from readers. Those would become additional articles, which would then result in more questions, sometimes about the email topic, sometimes, oh, this is really cool. Do you have anything on other topic? Mm -hmm. Um, And so honestly, a big chunk of my emails for a long time were just 
answering reader questions. Um, that happens less because I've written so much that at this point, there's usually articles for the things people want to know about on my site already. But once you start doing this, ideas just like I, I have, I have the opposite problem now. I have more ideas than I could possibly write about <laughs> in my lifetime. Like right now, my my list has 135 items on it, and that's after I did a big 50 item purge a few weeks ago, where I was like, I'm never going to write about these things. They've been sitting there for a year and a half. Let's just delete them. <laughs> this tech is outdated now. This isn't going to work. But yeah, it's um, it's a whole lot of things. So it's it's reader questions. Um, at this point now, um, if I'm having a lazy week, I will copy paste content from books I've written, you know, like here's a section. Oh, here's, by the way, it's an excerpt from this book. You can buy it here. I, if I read articles I find interesting, I will respond to them with my own thoughts. And interesting is in, I agree with it and would like to add, or I disagree with this strongly and here's why. If I see a question or complaint about something on Twitter, I'll address it in an email um, and then link back to it on Twitter. Every now and then I do a back to basic series where I'll dig up old articles and rewrite them with fresh eyes because you know, I'm doing this in the morning before I've had my coffee. And, you know, after a year or two, you know, in at least in my industry, things change frequently. And so what I said a year or two ago probably made sense then. It might not make sense now. So, you know, let's let's take a look at this again. You know, what's different, uh, what's not, et cetera. Tons of good tips there. Yeah, that's also really helpful too because sometimes you, you get subscriber churn and I end up with a bunch of new people who never saw that original article. Um, and then for a lot of people who did read it, they've long forgotten about it. Okay, so how, how long are these messages? You mentioned that they're short, but what are we talking about here? Yeah, my goal here is I want people to be able to just read over it while they have their coffee in the morning. I'm aiming for like a, like a five minute or less read time on most of these. Every now and then I'll write something that's a little bit bigger and that'll take maybe 10 to 15 minutes. But if it gets bigger than that, I am going to break it into a series, which is another thing I see come up a lot. Like people are like, oh, I, I wrote this like this all encompassing <laughs> article on topic. I can't do that every day. And it's like, no, you take that. That's a, that's a week of articles for you. You break that up and you send that out. Or for me anyways, I would never send out like that whole thing anymore just out of necessity like you cannot keep up that cadence i mean maybe some people can i can't let's jump back to you mentioned earlier that you have this sort of sophisticated uh, subscriber specific rotation of paid offerings so is that monday through friday everyone has some kind of call to action to a thing that they could buy or is it occasional how does that work yeah so i have a call to action and every email. So one of the things I do, um, ConvertKit and MailChimp and a bunch of others, they allow you to tag users with different things. I have ConvertKit integrated into my e-commerce platform. And so whenever someone purchases something, they get tagged with the thing they've purchased. And in the, like at the end of my article, before I do my, my like sign off, I have a message that is customized to categories of user. So if they have signed up for my free kind of entry-level course, um, it might say, hey, you know, if you enjoyed working on this, this workshop, here's some additional thing, you know, here's some other thing you could dig into. You, you might like this, this bundle of courses you can dig into um, to dive deeper into some of the topics that you already learned about. Or if they've taken that, it might be, hey, you know, here's this workshop that allows you to, you know, kind of level up your skills even further. For a while, I had literally the same message for every category every day. And so, you know, if you bought my courses and then you never bought the workshop, 
you'd be seeing that same message for months. And eventually I'm going to assume your eyes just like glaze over it. So I recently implemented this rotating message where every week um, you're going to see one of three to four different messages based on your category. So sometimes it's a product. Other times it's you know, it's a call to action uh, just to spread the word about me. So, hey, did you enjoy this? Um, you know, I would love if you would forward it to a friend who you think might also like it or share it on your social media platform of choice. So that one is still, that's newish. So I'm still kind of playing around with that. I don't have a good sense of how well that will work yet, but uh, that's something I just kind of added in the last week or so. Do you ever sell other people's stuff like affiliate links or ads or anything like that? No, I am... Um, I recently dabbled with email sponsorships. So um, I had a couple of clients who, um, you know, kind of had like a sponsored, they sponsored my my daily newsletter. So, you know, at the beginning of today's email is sponsored by 1Password, uh, you know, more about them at the end of the email. And then the call to action was replaced with, you know, a little blurb about whatever they were selling. And I didn't love it. It felt a bit weird. The money was great, but it felt a little bit weird. Um, I worry that it potentially hindered my ability to market my own stuff, which is really my priority. So, um, I, you know, I still have a kind of a page for people to do that if they want to you know, reach out to me, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure I would do it again, or maybe I need to charge more for it. I don't know. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about reader engagement subscribers. Sure. So do you look at your open rates or other analytics on a regular basis? Like how does... Never. I actually turned off um, open tracking on, you know, kind of ethical grounds because I'm a like privacy nut. I just, I find that stuff icky. ConvertKit still tracks click rates because certain unsubscribe actions and things require them to do so for them to work. So that is still turned on, but I don't do a lot of outlinking in my emails anyways. Um, so the, the click rate metric isn't particularly useful for me. The and it's not really an analytic, but the measurement I really care about is like reader response. Um, so if I'm getting a lot of emails back on something, good. If I'm seeing a lot of people share it on Twitter, good. If it's not, not good. But I don't really go much beyond that. Um, so I don't have I don't have a really sophisticated analytic suite going on or anything. Well, so you just mentioned replies. In an average week, how many replies do you get in your inbox, and and how many do you? Re- respond to? Is this a lot of work? How does, how does that yeah, work? Yeah. So it depends on, on the week and how controversial I'm being. Um, I have a couple of folks who respond like frequently, just all the time. I even had one person who would respond with thanks, just thanks to every single email, <laughs> every single day. And I had to mute that because that just got, <laughs> that got to be a little too much. But, you know, I set up a, like a, like a filter to just kind of push that to its own, its own place. But, um, yeah. So, you know, some days I'll get a couple of emails back. Some days I'll get like a dozen or more, depending on the topic of the email. I reply to nearly all of them. Sometimes it's just like me saying, you know, thanks, acknowledging I got it. Sometimes if there's like a question, I might ask follow-up questions or point people to other resources. Like if they've asked a question about something I've already covered in a previous email, I'll send them there. I do ignore people who are being jerks. And people who send more than like a paragraph or two. So you've probably run into this too, where someone will send you like a manifesto as an email, like four or five, eight paragraphs. I just, I don't. Um, I once heard Paul Jarvis describe that as rude and something that he wouldn't reward with a response. And I really took that to heart. So um, 
<laughs> so I just, I, I, there's a couple of subscribers who, who tend to do that a lot. And I just, I don't, I don't respond and they keep writing them. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's therapeutic, hopefully. Yeah, I'm assuming. All right. So I know a lot of people listening are probably wondering how they get their first subscribers, grow their list. So let's get into that stuff next. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned you have 14,000, 15,000 subscribers. Almost 14,000. It's like just, just like a dozen or so away. I don't remember the original before. Well, no. So I think before daily, I had like a weekly this week in web dev kind of summary email thing I used to send out. Um, and that had 38 subscribers on it when I switched to daily. Um, hmm. It had had 38 subscribers exactly on it for at least two or three months. Um, and I got that original group of subscribers by just kind of tweeting out a link to the sign up form at one point. Um, hmm. uh, when I switched to daily, I grew to 100 subscribers in a month. And then by the end of the year, I'd hit 1,000. And then by year two, I'd reached 3,000 and just kind of kind of snowballed from there. Um, so counterintuitive, but that everyone says the same thing. Yeah. And so the, like the, the initial I had, you know, I had like just a really small base, but when I relaunched it, I, you know, I, again, I sent a message out on Twitter. I also emailed my existing subscribers, letting them know about the kind of the change and a link to unsubscribe. I think I lost like two or three people out of 38, which is really not, I guess it's a percentage is a little higher, but it's not significant in absolute terms. Um, right. And I gained more than that that day in like people on, on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's um, the one thing I did that I really, well, two things I did that I'm glad I did. Um, so one of the benefits of publishing as an article first and then having that funnel into email um, is it becomes a really easy artifact for people to both find through like, you know, just search on Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever, and also share with others on their social media channel of choice. And at the bottom of every article, I have a, you know, little message that says like this, you know, get more like this every single day kind of form. And so I found a lot of my growth, especially early on, came from organic sharing where people would like something I read, share it somewhere else, and I'd get subscribers in response. And so like really early on, one of the other analytics I actually paid attention to was which articles led to spikes in subscribers. Yeah, I, um, I think one of the things I often advise people who are considering this is, you know, make it really easy for people to sign up. Make sure that, you know, you have a way to do that front and center anywhere that people are going to come in contact with you sharing your, your knowledge. Yeah. So that, that worked really well for me. Has other than popular articles, has anything else, have you ever noticed anything else causing a big spike in signups? Yeah. So the other two things are guest podcasting. Um, and those are weird cause they have a really long tail kind of, kind of effect where you'll see a spike in subscribers when the podcast goes live and then for months and sometimes years afterwards, you'll get these trickle effects of like, Oh, I just listened to you on podcast and had to sign up for your newsletter. And it's like, I was on that two years ago. That's, right. that's crazy. Right. Um, so I love that. Um, and the other thing that helps is every now and then I'll have an article that gets shared by someone high profile in my industry. And that usually results in a really big spike in subscribers, which is another perk of having emails as articles, because they're usually sharing the article that they stumbled upon through someone in their network and not because they are actively subscribers of my newsletter themselves. Do you ever prune the list? No. Well, so I guess technically, yes, because I have, um, because of how I have convert kit set up, I sometimes end up with folks who 
are on my list and count as subscribers, but get no emails from me. Um, maybe they bought a course and they got refunded for it. And so they're just kind of sitting there. And so I'll, I'll remove those. And I also remove abusive subscribers. So, you know, if I get someone who sends me like a really nasty email, I have a zero tolerance policy on that. They get, mm -hmm. they get unsubscribed, they get blocked so they can never email me again. Other than that, I'm not kind of going through and I, like I know some clients offer like how engaged is this subscriber kind of metrics. I am. Um, I don't. Um, and one of the big reasons I don't is because I've um, I've experienced where I'll have people who are on my list for like one, two, three years before they buy anything and then they right. buy something. You know, a lot of times it's especially where I'm dealing with a lot of like early career people. They're not in a place where they're financially able to purchase when they start like listening to my stuff. And then, you know, they get their first job, they get a little money saved up and now they want to invest in kind of taking that next step. So yeah, for me and the type of business I run, I, there's no such thing as a zero value subscriber for me other than the ones who literally are on the list, but get no emails. Right. Well, does it bother you when people unsubscribe? Do you notice it even? No. Well, so it probably would just because with ADHD, there's often like a strong sense of loss aversion. Um, yeah. For that reason, I have turned off unsubscribe notices and I never look at those metrics. Uh, you kind of sometimes need to. So like ConvertKit shows you like unsubscribe, subscribes, net gain. And my eye just always goes straight for that net gain. And I try not to look at the other two numbers. Uh, as long as that net total is going up, I, I feel happy. Cool. Well, so to wrap up, I've got two questions that maybe some advice for the dear listener here. So mm -hmm. what sort of businesses do you think would benefit from doing a daily list, even five days a week? Yeah. So like my gut reaction was like anyone, but if I'm being a little bit more like honest or nuanced about it, it's anyone whose business benefits from like a newsletter in general. So an authority business for sure. But you know, anyone where, you know, um, like I know some folks who don't have any sort of newsletter at all and they tend to be people with really big personal networks and that's where they get all of their kind of uh, business from. So for them, it would probably be a distraction or a waste of time. Like I'm thinking like my friend Brad Frost, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't have a newsletter and he doesn't need to because like anybody who's going to hire him knows who he is already. <laughs> that's fine. Shout out to Brad. But yeah, absolutely. Right. But you know, if you're someone who is selling educational products or selling consulting services and you don't have that like industry leader, big name kind of thing yet, then yeah, absolutely. For me, like daily is so powerful. My open rates, subscribes, reader engagement, sales, they all immediately went up. It's, it's the single most transformative thing I've, I've ever done for my business. Okay. So let's say you've convinced me, what advice mm -hmm. would you give me if I was on the fence? I'm like, I'm like afraid to take the leap like you were way back when we had to drag you across the line. Oh, and drag me did you ever. But um, <laughs> so I give this advice to most folks that I hear about who are thinking. Um, and it's one of those like it worked for me. Your mileage may vary. But, you know, I, I, I've had some other folks have good success with this, too. So challenge yourself to create a list of just, you know, 20 to 30 ideas. Just get that first month kind of listed out and give yourself a cap of like 15 minutes. Just just brain dump. And if you have big topics, break them up into several shorter articles. If you set it up a certain way, you'll start to get back reader questions that become future articles. And it creates that flywheel effect that we talked about earlier. So coming up with ideas was hands down my biggest concern. And I know that's for a lot of people. And by the end of month one, it had just taken care of itself. 
This has been great. So where can people go to find out more about what you do and maybe even sign up for your list? Yeah. So if you head over to gomakethings.com slash Stark, um, you can join my <laughs> list, learn more about me. And I've also put together a ton of resources on how I run my authority business selling educational products. So if anyone wants to dig more into the tech, some of the other things I do, um, I just, I have a bunch of articles, podcasts, and so on that you can check out over there. Awesome. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.